Thanks for listening to this audio podcast from Redemption Life Church. Listen as Pastor Michael Cox teaches on bearing fruit, not leaves. This is an exciting week in the kingdom of God. It's an amazing time as we celebrate um, the crucifixion and the resurrection of Christ, our redemption, um, the kingdom of heaven coming to earth. And so we had originally had a 12-hour of worship scheduled for this Friday. And um, kind of giving you the cues to let me know if we're doing that. Okay, we are still going to do that. Okay, we had originally had a 12-hour of worship. Uh, That was just a nod like, yes, we had it, but I was looking for the yes. So, yes, we had a 12-hour of worship scheduled, trying to look at the... um, the logistics of that, how to still have that, we feel we should really still have that time. So we're going to do 12 hours of worship. What's the times on that? 10 a.m. until 10 p.m. Good Friday, this Friday. We're going to have 12 hours of worship live stream. So just check in with us on live stream. We'll be there, and um, we'll have 12 hours of worship. Uh, Continue to... Connect students, illuminate students. They have a Zoom call going out on Wednesday night, 7 o'clock. You can go to their Facebook page to get information on that. Right now on Life Kids page, there's a lesson for today. You should have received all of your materials for your kids to do that lesson. Um, Yesterday, they've been delivering those. If you have not been a part of the delivery and you want to get a packet for your children... Just uh, go to Life Kids Facebook page and contact them there, message them, or text or comment there, and they'll be glad to uh, get a kit to you and your children. So that goes along with the lesson for Sundays. Awesome renovations again are coming wonderfully, and um, we um, hope to still be ready by Easter. It's a lot to happen this week, but um, you'll not know if we're ready or not, but that is what was in our heart, and so we're still trying to do that, and uh, so we'll see how that goes. I guarantee you this, when it's time to meet again, we're going to be ready to have a place for all of you to meet with us, and that's going to be exciting. I want to jump in today in Luke chapter 19. Just start in verse 1 there, Luke chapter 19, starting in verse 1. I'm going to read from the the Passion Translation. Um, Today is Palm Sunday. If uh, you don't know what Palm Sunday is, today is the day that Jesus entered into Jerusalem, okay? What they thought was to come in and take over. And what was actually happening was coming in and laying down and giving his life um, and taking over nonetheless. Amen? And so it's an exciting time today. It's Palm Sunday. Um, I can't remember the carrier, but it it was a, let's just say it like this. It was a news organization 
that is not usually favorable to uh, things of faith or people of faith, but I saw an article yesterday that was why um, this Palm Sunday is as important, if not more important, than any other Palm Sunday in the past. And it just talked about how having faith in this time, how crucial it was to still have faith that there is a Christ and that he did die for us and raise again. I was blown away by the article, and I love that. I love that. Every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Even the most repulsive news organizations and ones that are antagonistic to the faith, they will bow. And it's amazing how the light is getting out from all kinds of sources at this time. And uh, it's a beautiful thing. So we're going to jump in. Luke chapter 19. It is Palm Sunday. And this picks up Palm Sunday. In the city of Jericho, there lived a very wealthy man named Zacchaeus, who, who was the supervisor over all the tax collectors. As Jesus made his way through the city, Zacchaeus was eager to see Jesus. I can hardly ever read this story without singing a little song. Don't you think we should sing the song? Right there, everywhere in our homes and everywhere. All right, so Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was... He climbed up in a sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. And as the Savior walked away, he looked up in the tree. Ready? And he said, Zacchaeus, you come down because I'm going to your house today. And I'm going to your house today. All right. I just felt like that was very important, very crucial to this day to have a little fun. I always find an excuse to sing a song. All right, so where were we in the story before I broke to sing? Um, over all the tax collectors, as Jesus made his way through the city, Zacchaeus was eager to see Jesus. He kept trying to look at him, but the crowd around Jesus was massive. Zacchaeus was a very short man and couldn't see over the heads of the people. So he ran on ahead of everyone and climbed up a blossoming fig tree. You hear that? Now, it's a sycamore tree in the song, right? But it's actually, if you look it up in the Aramaic, it's a sycamore fig tree. Okay, and so these sycamore fig trees can grow to 40 feet tall. And the Aramaic actually says a tree in blossom, a tree in blossom. That's important. Remember that, okay? Make a little note. It's a sycamore fig in blossom on the day of Palm Sunday, okay? So it's a sycamore fig tree in blossom on that day. Zacchaeus climbs up it so he could get a glimpse of Jesus as he passed by. When Jesus got to that place, he looked up into the tree and said, Zacchaeus, hurry on down, for I'm appointed to your... <laughs> I, can't, I, gotta, I can't read because I'm singing. <laughs> for I'm appointed to stay at your house today. 
So he scurried down the tree and came face to face with Jesus. <laughs> I encourage you again, if you have not yet, watch the chosen. Um, I, I, it, it, I, I just feel saved all over again. I, I love Jesus more than ever before. It is amazing just to watch him interact with people. I think the most amazing thing about the chosen that is unlike some other things that I've watched is normally there's just a lot of emphasis on Jesus and his amazingness, which is awesome, right? And that's needed. But sometimes there's such a disconnect from his amazingness and what that means to us. What I love about The Chosen is it shows the not-so-amazingness of people that are in relationship with the amazingness of Jesus yeah. and how much it impacts them in amazing ways, all right? And so now when I hear about someone looking at Jesus' face, I just think about some of these interactions, and it's not about the movie. The movie... Uh, brings interactions that we have in scripture and when i read scripture it comes alive more and it's amazing just to see that happen with him so he comes down and he came face to face with jesus as jesus left to go with zacchaeus many in the crowd complained look at this of all the people to have dinner with he's going to eat in the house of a crook i love it because that has to be I mean, I could have people, I don't want to do it because it would really hurt my reputation, but there's people probably watching this right now that would comment on the comments. If I said, can I get an amen, that if you saw Jesus going to my house, you would say, of all the people, would you go to Michael Cox's house? People that I went to high school with, if you're watching, they'd probably say, of all the people that thinks they can have a relationship with Jesus, he is the least likely right? And so I've hurt people and I've done wrong to people. And I'm sure many people hate that I can have joy and peace in my life. And all I got to say is, I'm sorry, <laughs> but I'm not going to surrender it for anybody. Amen. So many people in the crowd complain, look at this of all the people to have dinner with, he's going to eat in the house of a crook. Zacchaeus joyously welcomed Jesus and was amazed over his gracious visit to his home. Zacchaeus stood in front of the Lord and said, Half of all that I own I will give to the poor. And Lord, if I have cheated anyone, I promise to pay back four times as much as I stole. Jesus said to him, This shows that today life has come to you and your household, for you are a true son of Abraham. The Son of Man has come to seek out and to give life to those who are lost. So that's Jesus' encounter with Zacchaeus. Today, salvation has come to your house. Today is the day you got the big prize. Okay? So what is the evidence in Zacchaeus' life that he has now received salvation? Oh, this mic's still on. Somebody turn that off. <laughs> Zacchaeus lost half of all he owned. Today is the day salvation has come to your house. The evidence and the fruit of that, wow. is that not what he said? 
You're going to give half of all you own to the poor? That's evidence that you just won. Yeah. Wow. Woohoo! Salvation has come to your house. And so still not being able to comprehend those that were with him, perceived, assumed that because he said today salvation has come to your house and they can see Jerusalem on the horizon, they're on their way to Jerusalem, what they think is going to be a hostile takeover of Jerusalem. And Jesus is going to dethrone the Roman Empire right? And Jesus is going to set up this earthly kingdom. And he tells Zacchaeus today, but they didn't understand. Okay. We thought we were going to Jerusalem. This guy lost half his own. And he says, you just got it. Yet they still, after that encounter, thought they were going to Jerusalem to get a bunch of stuff. They didn't see that they were going to Jerusalem to lose. They thought they were going to Jerusalem to win the way the world sees winning. They didn't know they were going to lose the way the world sees losing so they could win the way the kingdom sees winning. Zacchaeus won the way the kingdom sees winning and lost the way the world sees losing. We don't see the rest of Zacchaeus' story, but I happen to believe, and I hope others of you will join me by faith, that that wasn't the end of Zacchaeus' story. Well, I lost a I man that Jesus came by one day. I got all emotional when I looked at him in the face and I did some irrational giving and then I've regretted it ever since. You think that's his story? Or do you think he just keeps on getting better? Keeps on getting better. Every day gets sweeter. Every day gets brighter. I bet Zacchaeus the next day got up and said, you know what, I'm going to get half of all the half. And then one day the reaper overtook the sower and Zacchaeus couldn't give enough to get down to half again because he just kept getting sweeter. I know we hate that. That's prosperity gospel and all that stuff. I don't know if it was money. It might have just been joy and peace. But Zacchaeus said, I want more of it. And it is, be it is more valuable than this money. So I'll trade half of my money and then I'll trade half. I'll just keep trading. I'll just keep giving. Whatever he received that day, he traded up. He didn't trade down. The kingdom of heaven is not about eating and drinking, but it's about joy in the Holy Ghost and fullness. Zacchaeus traded up. Zacchaeus won. Zacchaeus received salvation in the kingdom of heaven in its fullness that day when he lost half of all that he owned. And yet he won. And Jesus is on his way. This is all on Palm Sunday. And Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. There's some awesome stuff that happens as you continue to um, read that story about how Jesus procures the donkey, the colt to ride on, and he's coming into Jerusalem. And where I really want to pick up today, and I think it's just a prophetic picture, and I know every time we use that language, people get nervous for some reason. But I think it's a prophetic picture, and that's all I can say about it because it's what I saw today. So we see as Jesus is entering into Jerusalem to what they think is take a hostile takeover, Jesus sees that, understands that, so he tells them a little parable 
about 10 servants that get mina. All right? And so I've got to try to quickly get through this to get where I want to get. But the, the, the parable that Jesus tells them is, okay, there is a master who calls 10 of his servants and gives them each a mina before he leaves to go and be appointed to king. Okay? They're on their way to Jerusalem for Jesus to be crucified. He tells them a story about entrusting with those that he's leaving with a mina, and what they do with that mina will determine the influence they have over the cities. We, we thought we were going to have a hostile takeover. He says he's given us a mina. He says he's given us this thing that doesn't look like a city, doesn't look like what we thought we were going to get, but we see the end result. If they're faithful with what he gave them, it actually does turn out to be 10 cities. So there's this increase in the heavenly realm when we take what doesn't look like increase, but it's seed form in the kingdom. It ends up becoming multiplied, and it brings about a harvest greater than if we had went straight in and took over the city. Anybody with me? If we just got what we think we want from God in this season, it would be much less than what he's trying to get us that we don't know that we want. But what we do with the seed he puts in our hand in this season is going to determine what we get when we come out of it. It's wild, this parable. He says that when the Lord went to become the king, many of his people did not want him to be their king. So they sent word that they did not want him to be their king. Look at the parallel of this parable and what Jesus was about to do and the picture he was trying to paint for them. They, his people, the ones that laid out the palm branches, were a few days later yelling, Crucify him. He's not our king. Let his blood be on us and our children. We don't want him to be our king. And it says in the parable, yet he became king anyway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you can scream. You can shake your fist. You can be angry at God, yet he's king anyway. So you need to find a way in your life to reconcile your relationship with him because you're never going to dethrone him and put yourself in place as king. So he's going to be king no matter what. So we better get to back to the seed he gave us <laughs> and quit throwing the seed away and denouncing his kingship. We better say, you are king, and where was that seed? I need to find where I placed that mina that you gave me. And so the ones that were faithful produced 10 mina. And he said, then I'm going to make you ruler over 10 cities. This harvest he's talking about is money, but we know it's so much bigger than money. What he's given us, <clears throat> amazing to me, and I, I, I don't <coughs> claim any major spiritual significance other than I just thought it was interesting. That in this season that things are shut down, I received as a business owner the other day some information about a small business loan, these loans that we can get, the SBA loans that we can get. 
I got to stand behind the light, they're telling me. Let me back this. That's why you put this table back and I scooted it up. All right. How's that? I feel like I'm in a hole now. <clears throat> got this information, and this loan is from March to June. Okay? It covers a time period of March, April, May, and I don't remember if it's the 1st of June or the end of June, but it's three or four months. What I think is amazing is a minor is three months' wages. <clears throat> so it's like... <sighs> so we have three months' wages. And I just feel like the Lord was saying, I've got you. I've got people. We're a week into it, and people have already lost faith. I've got people. I've got this under control. I'm going to cover my people. I have, they have the mina. Now, they can come out of the three months with just the mina, or they can come out of the three months with ten cities. But what we do with the provision that we have, we're going to be okay. He's going to take care of us. But we determine whether at the end of three months there was increase. We determine at the end of this whole situation there's increase or we just come out by the hair of our chinny-chin-chin. And we don't grow. I want to sow my mana. I want to steward my mana. And I'm not talking about money. This isn't a sermon about money. I want to steward the things that God has placed in me that bring increase in the kingdom well. And if we're not careful, if we're not careful, myself included, we will find ways to appease ourselves because of our emotional turmoil so we'll try to find new outlets for me time. Everybody's stir-crazed, and everybody's trying to find out, how do I fill the voids in my life that I'm missing from what I have been receiving from my everyday routine? And so we're trying to find ways to fill those things when he set us up with an opportunity to fill ourselves with him. And to take the minor, I believe the minor is three months. Three months wages, three months time. I'm not saying we're going to be locked in our homes for three months. I'm just saying I believe God has given us a window. He's given us a time. And, and through this countermeasure to the weapon of the adversary, we can take the minor that God has provided, the table that he set in the presence of our enemy, and we can come out of it and increase and not decrease. We may come out of it with half of our possession, but salvation. We may come out of it with less than we had before, with a whole lot more than we had before. And I know already, if you've listened to the sermons the last three weeks, you can put them all over top of each other, and I'm saying the same thing. I don't know what else to say right now except to press in. Yeah. Don't be ignorant, my brethren, about what's going on. Don't be ignorant. Don't live in fear that this is all just something that's taking God by surprise, and we don't know if he's going to move or not. 
If we all pray hard enough this week, he'll become God again next Sunday on Easter. I do believe there's going to be a shift on Easter, but it's going to be what we do with the mana he gave us on Palm Sunday. Because when he sits on his throne on Easter, he's going to be evaluating what we did with the mana he gave us on Palm Sunday. And what happens in our life is not going to be based on whether or not he's king or not and whether or not he's powerful or not and whether or not he's good or not. It's about whether or not we trusted him and it's about whether or not we had faith in him and it's about whether or not we steward what he gave us well. Not on him. It's not on him. It's on us. We must be a mobilized church in this time. We must do the work of the kingdom. Like never before. What do you mean the work? We need to feed. We need to. Hey, how about this? Have intimacy with the Father like never before. After Jesus told this story about the mina, he goes into Jerusalem on the coat that's never been ridden and they're laying palm branches down at his feet. And ceremonial prayer shawls at his feet. Man, that was real important. That's going to do it. That's going to turn the tide. If we lay a bunch of leaves down and a bunch of ceremonial garb down, that's really going to do it. How do we want to end this today? This is what I saw, and this is what I want to say. He goes into Jerusalem. It says that night he walks around Jerusalem and he weeps at the state of Jerusalem. What's cool is something I never noticed till studying this week is he actually went into the temple on that night. But it was late, so I think he just, it's too late to whip everybody. <laughs> And I think he was so heartbroken. He just didn't, his first response was heartbreak. And he went to Bethany and they rested for the night. They went back to Jerusalem the next day and that's when he cleans out the temple. I think he was heartbroken and I think all night long he probably didn't sleep thinking about somebody sitting out of the temple that didn't have a good enough dove to go in and didn't have enough money to buy one. I think it broke his heart. The next morning, he's so upset about people not being able to encounter him that he flipped the tables over and drove them out. It's heartbroken. He'd come in on a donkey, and they're laying branches down, and they're laying prayer shawls down, and they're doing all this religious, pompous stuff, but he knows these are the people. He looks into their eyes. He knows the hearts of men, and he knows what's really in their heart. It's crucify him because we don't want a king that's going to make us lose half of what we own. 
We don't want a king that's not going to make us the head over all and be, have it the way we think is increasing the world. As soon as this thing shifts and we see that he's not able to do what we thought he was going to do, the way we thought he was supposed to do it, we'll turn on him in a heartbeat. And he knew that looking into their eyes. And he saw the fruit of it in the temple. Goes in, he does all that stuff in the temple. Goes back to Bethany that night. Sleeps. The next day is when he sees the fig tree. Do you guys know this? The next day he sees the fig tree. And it has leaves on it, but no fruit. You guys remember what I told you to remember? I've heard people say, well, it wasn't in the season for it to have fruit, so that's why it didn't have fruit. But two days before, Zacchaeus climbed up in a blossoming fig tree. So maybe there was potential for it to have fruit. But all it had was leaves. John 15 says, I am, the, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me bears much fruit. And my Father is glorified when you bear much fruit. I just saw this picture. Now I'm going to leave you with this today. They're throwing down branches with leaves. But he was looking for vines with fruit, branches with fruit that were connected to him. The picture should have been Jesus on a donkey with vines and branches connecting to his followers that were bearing the same fruit of sacrifice that he was going to bear. Let this same mind be in you that was in Jesus. But we're over here. Hey, look at us. I got my prayer shawl and my palm branch. Go on, Jesus. Save us, Jesus. Save us, God. Do something, God. It's Easter next week. Why don't we bear fruit this week and next week? Why don't we bear the fruit of intimacy? Connected with him. Peter said, man, I'll go with you. He said, will you? <laughs> Actually, you're going to deny me three times before the rooster crows. In the very next verse, though, I love, but don't let your heart be troubled. I got you. I'm going to keep your place. Man, I know we've been waving palm branches. Come on. Everybody knows we've been waving palm branches and prayer shawls. Everybody know the church has got a little bit too much into the palm branch waving and the prayer saw showing and not enough of the intimacy. We all know that, but don't let your heart be troubled. I'm not here today to make your heart to be troubled. You don't need your heart to be any more troubled. I'm just here to tell you that don't let your heart be troubled. I've gone to prepare a place of intimacy with me. 
so that where I am, there you'll be also. And we'll come and be with you, and you'll be with us, and you'll abide in me, and I'll abide in you, and you'll bear much fruit. Fruit of peace, fruit of hope, fruit of joy in this season. But you can't get it by waving palm branches and laying down prayer shawls. You got to get it by being connected and being intimate. Oh, my goodness. Reminds me of Genesis chapter 3. Jesus said, don't eat of the fruit of that tree in the middle of the garden. The serpent says, are you going to, you won't surely die, just taste it. They saw that it was good. So then, what did they do? Their eyes were open, and they hid themselves. They covered themselves in what? Fig leaves. You know why Jesus cursed the tree? Not only could it have been bearing fruit, but actually fruit comes before leaves in a fig tree. I did study that. I know that for a fact. Fruit comes before leaves. So actually, a lot of people said, man, he expected the fig tree to do the impossible. Actually, the fig tree did the impossible to deceive. The fig tree was worrying about looking like it had fruit when it didn't have fruit. covered itself with leaves so that you couldn't tell it didn't have fruit. What did Jesus tell Adam and Eve to do? In Genesis 1, 28, be blessed, be fruitful. He blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply. But if you take the fruit of the world, it robs you of the fruit of the kingdom. God has removed the fruit of the world from us in this season. All the things that we've, we've become so accustomed to finding fulfillment in that has actually been bringing death to our life slowly and gradually, he has taken away from us that we would be able to produce a fruit that we're trying to secure. We don't need to be seeking out fruit and searching for fruit. We need to be producing fruit. What's the first thing they covered after they took of the fruit of the world? They covered their loins. The very things that they need to be fruitful and multiply. <clears throat> if we get caught up in the fruit of the world, all we'll have is leaves. And we'll take those leaves and we'll cover up all the things that he's put in us to be fruitful with. And we'll find ourselves barren and wondering, how did we get here? We got here by forgetting we were fruit producers and we thought we were fruit consumers. If we're fruit consumers, fruit... What's the word? Fruit famines don't affect fruit producers. It only, produce, it only affects fruit consumers. At the... We have found ourselves where there's not a lot of distinction between the world and the church about where we find our fulfillment. And it's consumers of the fruit of the world. He says, you won't surely die. 
Work 80 hours a week instead of doing what God has put in your heart to do. You won't surely die. You surely will die. You surely will die. What's in you? What's in you to reproduce? What's in you to multiply? Will die. And all you'll have left is the fruit of 80 hours. And it's not promised because one day they may come in and seize your bank account and all that money you got from those 80 hours will be gone and all you'll be desperate for is one drop of fruit that God created you to produce and you won't have it because you're bankrupt in kingdom resources because you put all your stock and all your investment in the things of the world. Man, I'm not trying to be hard today. I just want to see the people of God be full, cups running over, more than enough. And we produce it. We produce it through intimacy with him. We produce the wine. This may be a stretch, and I don't know why I saw this, and somebody may think that's crazy, but I just, what if they were throwing down themselves that were branches full of grapes? You know what would have been running down the street in abundance as Jesus, the master, showed us the kingdom coming? Wine would have been running down the streets. Everybody on the street would have been just their feet covered in wine. Their feet covered in presence. Their feet covered in the intimacy of us coming in communion with Jesus. And what comes out of that in the crushing is wine. We're producing the fruit. We're bringing the fruit, not begging him for it and not looking to the world for it. We're bringing it to him and we're saying, take our fruit and crush it and make wine. Can y'all come today? I tried to present a picture today. I may have been all over the place. Our job is just intimacy with him. Sometimes the very thing that we do, our mechanisms to try to hide and say we've got it all figured out, look, I'm bearing fruit. We're actually covering the vulnerable parts of ourselves that he wants to be intimate with that will actually produce what he's trying to produce in us. But I got it. I got it. I'm good. I'm good. I'm okay. We hide. I got leaves. He's like, man, let's get rid of the leaves. I don't care about leaves. I'm not in the leaf business. I didn't say bear much leaves so my father would be glorified. He said bear much fruit. Be fruitful and multiply. Guys, your only thing in this season that nothing can stop. Man, I hear people 
Again, I want to watch my tone, but I see some people condemning churches for not having church and saying we're in fear for doing it, doing social media and doing this stuff. I say there's churches that are meeting that are doing it in fear. They're so afraid the government is going to take their ability away from being the church. The government cannot take my ability away from me to be the church. They can drive me underground like they did in China, and the church will advance. Who's being driven by fear? Not me. I'm being driven by honor, I'm being driven by respect, and I'm being driven by the gospel in any way that I can get it out to people. And at this point, this is not hindering my ability to do what I'm on the earth to do. And I'm not going to react out of fear that God's going to fail and I'm going to lose. I'm just going to stay connected to him and produce fruit. And if it get crushed, so be it. Everybody will drink of the wine. Thanks for listening to this audio podcast from Redemption Life Church. Be sure to stay connected with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Redemption Life.